You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Hey, Matt. Hey, Adam. <laughs> well, here we are. It is day 11 and 12 of our readings. Pretty excited. Yeah. Um, you've made it. If you can make it this far, you can you can definitely, you know, just multiply it by 30 or so, <laughs> and you're almost there. But uh, let's get caught up. Let's do our... Yeah, a little intro. Today's Old Testament reading is Genesis 24 through 26. All right. So what happened in Genesis 24, essentially, Matt? Oh, you're asking me? Yeah, unless oh, you want me to no, start. No, no, I got it. Uh, so we see Abraham kind of making a big deal to his servant about getting a wife for Isaac and being very specific on where to get this wife. That's right. Which the wife is supposed to be from, his family, his Abraham's family, that is all the way in Ur. That's right. So he makes an oath with one of his servants, and he says, "Go find a uh, a wife for my son Isaac, mm-hmm. the promised son, mm-hmm. from my family in Ur. Mm-hmm. Someone over there." And right away, the um, the servant says, "What if I can't find her? What if I can't find her? Or what if I do find her and she doesn't want to come back with me?" Yes, and that's where Abraham says, um, "He says, look." I'll send an angel. I'll ask God. He'll send an angel before you, and he will work this out. Mm-hmm. He will work it out. you got to trust me. And it's a hard thing to trust because Matt was doing the math on how far away this servant must travel. Yeah, so if he's traveled in a straight line, yes, it's 700 miles. Okay. One so, way. So I could see the trepidation of the servant saying, a 700-mile journey on camels. camel. Um, what if I don't get there? What if I don't find her? And I sure don't want to be coming back that long without her. Right. And that's where he's assured. And Abraham has this assurance that God will go with you and before you because Abraham is now acting from um, underneath the promise of God. So Abraham, over these last 30, 40, well, more than that, 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. he now knows if God says this, God's going to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's a big deal because it has to be 100% God. And that's this whole story. You see Abraham um, almost going countercultural to secure the promise. Like he has to make sure. His only job is to say, no, I can't let this king be responsible for this blessing. I can't let this person be responsible. I can't try to figure it out. I've tried to do that with Hagar and it didn't work. And so even getting a wife from among people who are not carriers of the promise mm-hmm is not going to be of value to us. So uh, what we find out is the servant goes. It's a beautiful story. He uh, asks the Lord. He has a really sweet and sincere prayer. He's like, Lord, give me, would you give me success? And then he just asks the Lord for exactly what he wants. Like allow the woman who Isaac is supposed to marry to come out and at the time of watering and, and allow her to help me. And pour water for me and my camels. Mm-hmm. And if that's her, then I'll, if someone does that for me, I'll know that's the right girl. Right. And so the Lord hears his prayer. She, Rebecca comes out and she pours, she waters his camels. She's super sweet. And he knows this is the girl. He goes back 
to her house yeah. and tells them and says, and has all these gifts for her mm-hmm. and says, my master, you know, Abraham, and they all know Abraham because he left 50 years earlier. Yeah, it, this is the house of Abraham's brother. So. Yeah, so they're familiar with Abraham. They know Abraham. <laughs> and they know, um, you know, the population has been growing over these last 50 years, but still there's a family line and mm-hmm. it's important. So they say yes. They go, hey, can we can we have Rebecca for 10 days before she goes back? Mm-hmm. And the servant says, no, it's a 700-mile trek. We should probably get going. <laughs> I need to go right now. <laughs> and if you, if you take the time to read chapter 24, you'll realize the whole story is repeated. Mm-hmm. So it's like the narrative is given, and then the servant tells Rebecca's family the whole narrative again. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me a little bit of what happens in Genesis, where at the very beginning you have here's the days of creation, and then the story is kind of filled in, it's told again. And I think that uh, what we believe that is that is um, typical of something that's really important. Mm-hmm. And so this is a really important story. The first promised child right. has been born and is now going to get married, and the wealth is growing, the The presence in the land is growing, God is doing what he's doing, what he said he would do, and it's mm-hmm. It's happening. But they, so he comes back, they immediately fall in love because that's how it works back then. And Isaac and Rebecca are married and it comforts Isaac at the death of his mother. Correct. So we find out there, you know, marriage matters too. Just Mm -hmm. as a side note, what Abraham and God sets out is, look, when you're a child of the promise, like we are in Christ, it matters who you marry. You know, if someone with the promise marries someone who of enmity or someone who is not of the promise, you are tying yourself, you're connecting yourself spiritually, emotionally, physically to um, something else. So whatever they carry. So remember that the Canaanites are of the line of Ham and Ham's line is cursed. And you'll see this kind of play out within the Old Testament is they make a big deal about who they marry and uh, the Israelites, the children of Abraham, are uh, frequently avoiding not marrying Canaanites and trying to stay within their own line, within the line of Shem, because that line carries a blessing. You just don't want to be a part of the curse. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like football players that don't want to go to a bad team. No one wants to go to the Cleveland Browns. Like Heard that. <laughs> if you have enough confidence, you just get out of that. Um, you don't want to go to that franchise. And so you kind of do whatever you can to get to a winning team. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was back then. Of course, you'll see God's people break that over time and make alliances and marriage into the uh, other lines. But uh, all right, so let's move on here. Chapter 25. Chapter 25, Abraham is passing away. And so it's the end of the Abraham's era. And so they have um, the genealogy. And it's like the end of one era, the beginning of Isaac's era. Mm-hmm. So they have the genealogy. Didn't know if you knew this, but Abraham, uh, after Sarah's death, marries another concubine, Keturah, and has six children, six boys. Mm-hmm. And then they just go through about four generations um, of kids that come from Abraham. And that's important because at the end of all this, it says uh, that Abraham sent all these kids away with gifts, mm-hmm. like bless them. But he needed Isaac. He gave everything to Isaac, including the promise. Like, you are the one who's supposed to stay in the promised land. Even though we don't own it yet, we're still, like, we're still strangers mm-hmm. in a strange land. Um, and so all the others were like, cool, man, I'll take, I'll take the good gifts now. 
And then Isaac was left with uh, the responsibility of all the things there in a strange land. And so uh, that's important too, because again, it's all about protecting the promise, protecting the promise. And then uh, we get this kind of sweet scene where Abraham's life ends and then Ishmael returns and he and Isaac uh, bury their dad in the cave that he purchased uh, from the Hittites and he buried his wife Sarah there. So Abraham is laid to rest in the same cave that his wife is. Machpelah. Mm -hmm. And so they rest in the promised land. So the little, the only land they actually own, yeah. Abraham is buried. And yeah. what I thought was interesting was Ishmael, again, who we think of as, oh, problems from Ishmael, which are true. They, yes. they do rise from that line. But the first generation, you know, Ishmael is circumcised. Mm-hmm. He's around the promise, the promised language. He sees it. He's in the camp. And so he's blessed. And so they even list his genealogy. And so for a while, they're all friends, you know. And uh, later, it'll be several generations later where they, where Ishmael's descendants just fully reject the promise. Right. But it's good to see that God loves the world mm-hmm. and that he's concerned with his promise to save the world. But then we get to, um, it, it, it's like it's like nothing. It just says Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah and then um, they couldn't have a baby. So it's kind of like no big deal. It says they can't have a baby. You're right. And then like the next passage is... Oh, they prayed to the Lord, and, and they had a baby. There, she was pregnant with twins. But it's not that easy. It's actually not that easy <laughs> at all. So I'm going. Oh, cool. She couldn't have a baby. Now she can have a baby. But there's this little phrase where it goes. Oh, when um, so she's pregnant with twins, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, it says, oh, Isaac was 60 when they were born. Right, and they, and he was 40 when they got married. So like, imagine you're 40 years old. And in this culture, you're just your whole point here is to have children. You right. just have as many children as you can. And they have no children for 20 years. And when you read it at first, if you don't look at those numbers, you think, oh, it's not that big a deal. Maybe mm-hmm. she waited six months. Maybe it was a year. I mean, it was a little bit frustrating. But think 20 years. Like Val and I just had our 20th anniversary <laughs> with our three kids. And one's getting ready to go to college. Like if I wanted to have a baby 20 years ago and just now we have a baby. Right. Like, we've been praying for 20 years. That's a long time. It's a long time, and it's obviously a miracle. And what I love about it is even barrenness cannot stop God from keeping his promise. Yes, and it's also kind of a theme within the line of Sarah and Rebecca, as we'll see this recurring yes. theme of barrenness. Showing our powerlessness to mm-hmm. create life and to fulfill the promise on our own. So, these boys... Uh, these two boys and Rebecca, she's extremely fertile after 20 years of barrenness, <laughs> has twins that will be Esau and Jacob. And there is a, um, a great kind of prophecy from the Lord to her, which says, it's worth reading. Mm-hmm. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. That's kind of discouraging. The one shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. So God promises from the beginning, the older shall serve the younger. Esau comes out. His name means red because mm-hmm. he's a big, he's just a hairy little redhead. <laughs> and then Jacob's name actually means he takes by the heel mm-hmm. or he cheats. he cheats. So Jacob is holding on to the heel of Esau as, he, as they're born. Mm-hmm. And so their names reflect that. And um, what this prophecy, why this prophecy is important, I mean, I'll just tell you because we can't say it enough, Yeah, is... Uh, 
God is changing all of the reasonableness of humanity. So it is reasonable that the firstborn is the inheritor. The mm-hmm. firstborn is the strongest. And right away he says, the older shall serve the younger. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a, another pattern that has already begun. I mean, Ishmael yeah. is going to serve Esau um, or Isaac. All right, Isaac, you're right. And yeah, and it's going to go on and on like this. And so the older shall serve the younger. And to jump ahead to Jesus, you'll see there's the first Adam and the second Adam. Mm-hmm. And the older, the Adam, the older Adam, who should have inherited everything, should have walked in the garden with God, lost it. And it is the second Adam who gains it. And the first will serve the second. Mm -hmm. And it totally turns up everything upside down. It's the upside down world. It does. Um, So, so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Despite the promise that's put upon them by the Lord, Isaac still ends up, as they grow up, favoring Esau as the oldest. Right. uh, Whereas Rebecca. Uh, seems to remember the promise made to her and favors Jacob. And I I imagine both the boys are familiar, at least have heard it said to them. And so we get this scene where Esau comes in and he's hungry. He's been out hunting and he, and he wants stew because he's just, he's starving, he's famished. And Jacob sees an opportunity to try to make this promise come true through his own power. And this is, again, kind of a theme that happens where the younger children will try to steal their inheritance because it's the only way they know how to get something on their own. Right. I mean, I see it in my own kids. Grace is the youngest. And she's just street smart, man. She knows how to get stuff. Um, she, she knows how to, to weasel for it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, you know, I digress. Um yeah, so there's a scene where the man's man, Esau, comes in. He's famished. He trades. So you have Jacob who then thinks, I'm going to scheme mm-hmm. to, to get this guy's birthright. Right. And then Esau, who despises his birthright, meaning he just doesn't care. He's like, what good is a promise when I can fill my belly right now? Mm-hmm. And so both of them in their weakness strike up a deal. And it's to both of them, it's a detriment. It's not, it's not right. Right. And so uh, Esau sells his birthright to Jacob, and Jacob essentially steals it. Mm-hmm. And so that happens. And, um, and then uh, that's where the story stops in 25. So it just goes, Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And, and then Esau despised his birthright. And then it kind of stops. So then the story in chapter 26 goes back now. To Isaac. Yeah, it goes back to Isaac kind of before they had children. Mm-hmm. And um, and once again, you're seeing themes over these years of famine. There's hardship. There's kind of testing. And they were going to go to Egypt. You always retreat to the Nile River mm-hmm. during famine. And God says, don't do it. You need to stay here. Stay in the land. You can leave. I mean, you've got to stay in the, the Canaanite kind of territory. you got to yeah. stay at least in the Philistine area. And, um, and they have an encounter again as they go. Isaac is just like his dad. Yeah. I mean, he's just like his dad. The same story. He does the same exact thing, which makes me think it's common. Like, it's how you survive. Like, this is how you hustle back in, you know, 10,000 BC. I don't know. I have no idea. But you hustle by saying, hey, this isn't my wife. This is my sister. Yeah. Only this time, Abimelech, who's probably in the same line as the other Abimelechs. Yeah, it... 
we're pretty sure it's not the same Abimelech. So either Abimelech is a title like Pharaoh or it's a family name because this is 92 years later after the first Abimelech scene. Uh, but yes, this Abimelech, though, he catches on a little faster yeah. <laughs> than uh, his dad or the previous one caught on. And he actually, no one actually takes uh, Rebecca, but Abimelech ends up seeing Isaac and Rebecca like flirting or doing something in a field. And he's like, whoa, that's not your sister. That's your wife. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this to us? It's like Abimelech understands the reality of God's promise mm-hmm. on this family of Isaac better than Isaac does. He's like, yeah. you're going to kill us, man, if we mess with the promise of God. Or it's going to bring about disaster because God cares more about the promise than you do. But then there's this scene, too, where we start to learn like exactly what's going on with Isaac. Because Abimelech and the, the surrounding Philistines are intimidated by him. Yeah, He's grown so wealthy and he's more, they say, he's more prominent than they are. And yeah, so this entire nation yeah, is and, scared of this one family. And so everybody on the outside recognizes this guy's like blessed by whatever God he's worshiping. Mm-hmm. He has more cattle. He has more sheep. He has more people. And we don't really want to mess with you, so they want to make a, a deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're challenging all the old wells. So like water is a huge theme. We've already had the flood. We're going to mm-hmm. have a lot of water throughout the scriptures. And even these little wells mm-hmm. that Abraham had made places of water where his shepherds could could um, sustain uh, the flocks. The, the flocks, and um, and so people would go fill those wells in and say, "You don't, you're not here anymore." And so uh, he has to make some deals with Abimelech, and um, it's just interesting, you know. He fights over some wells, he names one of them Contention. Another well, he has to name Enmity until finally they found one and they name it. Um, uh, space, room. Space, yeah, God room. has made room for us. God has made room for us. And so you see Isaac kind of figuring out what it's like to be blessed, figuring out what it is mm-hmm. to have to live under the promise of God. It's different than he imagined. It's, yeah. you know, it will go to, um, it's interesting with Isaac or um, with Jacob and Esau. You know, you see one is working for the inheritance, the other is despising it. And then what has to happen for us is not working or despising, but we have to learn to receive the mm-hmm. promises of God. And you see uh, Isaac starting to learn how to do that. And um, and then the last little throwaway, almost a throwaway line at the end of chapter 26 <laughs> is when Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith to be his wife and uh, Basemath, uh, the daughter of a Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. Right. So Esau doesn't fall in the line of his father or in the line of Abraham and marries Canaanite women, both Hittites, uh, and they serve other gods, and it's all of a sudden it's creating problems yeah. within this family. And that's So that's what's happening. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to mention is mm-hmm. um, during this time the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So Isaac built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. And um, and then they dug a well. But I just like that, that for the sake of Abraham, your father, that for the sake of one righteous person, I'll save the world. Mm-hmm. And so here are the righteous people that God is rising up. He's raising up Abraham. And now Isaac has the same promise for the sake of his dad. 
And how do you receive this? How do you become a righteous person? You believe what God says. So the only thing God's asking of of Isaac right now is to trust me. Mm-hmm. And so Isaac's doing the best he can, which is not, it's probably not even good enough, but right. God, but God can be trusted and he will finish what he starts. So that is chapter 24 through 26 of Genesis. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our uh, New Testament. New Testament. Our New Testament reading is Matthew chapter 9, verse 14, through chapter 10, verse 31. All right. Matthew chapter 9. We just got out of the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at the fruit of the great and authoritative prophet, Jesus Christ. And they ask, why aren't you? Why aren't the disciples of Christ fasting? Like mm-hmm. all the holy men, like, hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has a great answer. He says, because something new and better is here. There's new wine needs new wineskin. Mm-hmm. And so it's not the time for fasting. When the bridegroom is gone, then you can fast. But while Jesus walked the earth, it was not the time to fast. It was the time to marvel yeah, and, and stand in his light and, and worship celebrate. and celebrate. Right. And then um, moving on from fasting. Well, it also recognizes that fasting is a thing. Yeah. You know, which is good for us. Next, he goes to healing. Mm-hmm. So we see where uh, Jesus is healing. Now, he's going to heal. He's going to be on his way to a girl who has died mm-hmm. to heal her. But on his way, um, someone touches him. And it was a woman with the issue of blood. And uh, so she says in her mind, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she touches it and she's healed. And she mm-hmm. had this issue for 12 years yes. or something. Yes, yes. And... Um, then on his way, he goes to the house where the girl has died, and there's professional mourners there, and they're all wailing. And Jesus mm-hmm. says, she's just sleeping. I'm going to bring her back, or basically mm-hmm. I'm going to wake her up. And they all laughed at him, which is really interesting. They <laughs> laughed at Jesus. Well, then Jesus goes in, touches. Um, or he, he just grabs her he by he the grabs hand. Her hand. And she, he does a resurrection, so he's healing. He's healing two women. This is what's mm-hmm. important is that girls' lives matter. Right. And again, like, we're reading an ancient document. And in these any other ancient texts, like women, unless there's some kind of crazy goddess or something, mm-hmm. even then, they're not mentioned, like, they are not cared for. Mm-hmm. And I love that our God cares for people. He cares right. for girls. And little girls, it matters. An old woman who's been discarded, who has mm-hmm. an issue of blood, it matters. And then he... Um, Touches the blind man. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes. I'm just kind of cruising through this. Yeah, it's okay. Um, and then finally we get to the demon-possessed man who can't speak. And then after he is healed, he speaks like this is Christ. And uh, and then all the critics of Jesus. So now we've been reading about nothing but Jesus. like His authority. He is revealing his divine nature. Mm-hmm. In his divine nature... He heals, he exercises demons, he raises from the dead, he restores lepers. I mean, he does it all. Yeah. And so now people are, are taking note and they're following him, or you just don't have eyes to see it and you say he's doing it by the power of Satan. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, that's just confusion. And we'll, we'll, There'll be another reference to that, but at the end of uh, chapter 9, Jesus says, look, I look at these people with compassion. Mm-hmm. 
These are like sheep without a shepherd. The harvest is plentiful. Right. And I just need, I need people who will go out there and witness to my power so I can, I, I will heal. Mm-hmm. I'll do the healing. Um, the, but the harvest is plentiful. I like that idea. Yeah. And then, so we see this, uh, we, in chapter 10, he calls his 12 disciples or apostles mm-hmm. And we see this transference of his authority that he's ju- that's just been established over the last couple chapters. Yeah. And he gives that same authority that he's been wielding to these 12. Right. Um, it's cool, too, because they are listed in pairs. I never caught this before. But when it, they list the 12, they list them in pairs. So it's uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James and Thaddeus, Simon and Judas. And later he sends them out two by two. And so the idea is he sends them, when he, he's about to give them the command to go out. And the idea is he sends them out in pairs. He doesn't send them out alone. And this is kind of actually one of the reasons Adam and I do our ministry the way we do it is because this seems to be a biblical theme yeah. that Jesus sets up. Like, do not do this alone. I love that because two are better than one, no doubt, right? Mm-hmm. No doubt. And so he's, he sends them out and he empowers them with his authority. Mm-hmm. And he says to them, now stay in Israel. We're going to get like at the end of the Gospels, Jesus will send them out to all nations. Yes. But right now, and that's what we'll see, all nations will be blessed in the Old Testament. That's what the promise mm-hmm. to Abraham and Isaac is. But Jesus says, stay in Israel right now and tell people that the kingdom of God is at hand and then display how God reigns. This is how God rules when he is king and his, this is what his kingdom will be like. And he says, um, go heal people. You guys can go raise the dead. You guys will cleanse the lepers. You'll cast out demons mm-hmm. and you'll bear witness. Don't take any money. It's kind of an Abraham thing. Like, yeah. don't take any money. Don't try to provide for yourself in this. Go out and bear witness. And when you bear witness, you are... Um, You'll receive what you need. Yeah, you'll be provided for. It's pretty cool. It is. Um, again, that's fed by ravens, man. That's what we do. Mm. We just trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's a line that I like, though, where he goes, when you go into a house, you bless it. Yes. And you announce peace on the house, which is something we like to do is uh, for people in our congregation to uh, pray for their houses and bless the spaces. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. A house can... Um, you can kind of take away the peace of the house. Mm-hmm. If, it, if the message of Christ is rejected, then we don't leave peace on that house. Right. That's what's hard. That's a challenge for me because I want to kind of just be like, oh, peace. But if people are against Christ, I can't honestly and lovingly say, oh, this house is full of the peace of Christ. Right. So that's a hard deal with that, <laughs> folks. Um, yeah, so he says, when they reject you, just shake it off, move on. Move on. And, um, oh, did you catch in verse 15 where Jesus says, when they reject you? Yeah. He says, uh, "What do you have it? Do you yeah, have it? it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Okay, two things. One, <laughs> Jesus references Sodom and Gomorrah as a real thing. Right. So, like, if we think, oh, it was destroyed and turned to salt, that's just a kind of illustrative way of describing, well, we have to take the words of Jesus. Either he was lying or messing with us or he was telling the truth. So, that's a real story. Right. And he says it'll be worse for people who reject the disciples' message of of the kingdom than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. 
Do you know? Can you wrap your head around that? Uh, I mean, one, the kingdom of God is here in Jesus Christ, and the town is witnessing miraculous works, like the fruit of right. Jesus's kingdom, which is the raising of the dead, healing of lepers, healing of the sick, casting out demons. And if they see all that, which Sodom and Gomorrah did not see, right? if they see that and still go, we want nothing to do with the kingdom of Christ, then the kingdom of Christ wants nothing to do with them. Right. And that's, that's what I was thinking. Sodom was at least just one time event mm-hmm. and it's done. Whereas hell is an ongoing reality. Mm. You want to live in a world without God ruling it, welcome to hell. Um, For this reason, though, Jesus says, look, as soon as, uh, don't fear. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you what to say. Uh, Do not fear. Like, they called me the devil. Right. Um, And if they called me the devil, what are they going to call my followers? They're going to call you the devil. Right. And so this is what, but don't fear because you just need to fear God who can kill don't fear those who can just kill the body, mm-hmm. but fear the God who is over body and soul. And then he says, I know every sparrow mm-hmm. and I know every hair on your head. So fear not that you will, um, you will be known before God. And uh, he does say that when you get into these situations, to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I also like that. It's like, you don't have to be dumb. Be wise as serpents. Mm-hmm. Like, know what's going on. Know mm-hmm. when people, you know, Jesus knew when they were starting to move to kill him. Sometimes he retreated to a place. Right. No, figure it out. So you're wise as serpents. But then be innocent as doves. Like, be... You don't have to cheat or... Yes. Take advantage of people. You kind of, you can take what you have coming. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, be innocent in it. Don't try to weasel out of things or work a system. You know, it's like I used to, growing up, you could say you're 12 to get into a movie and mm-hmm. you're 15. You're, you, you don't have to be innocent. Right. Especially with that stuff. Don't try to work the system. But be wise. Like if you don't have money for the movie, don't go to the movie. Right. That's a nice... Or if you think someone's going to hurt you, stay away from that person. Right. Yeah. And be innocent though, but don't go after them. Mm-hmm. Um, so wise as serpents, innocent as doves, because this is how the kingdom of God grows. Um, the, the, last, the last thought from this is, and it really goes with all the readings today, it's amazing how they always work together. But authority, when God gives his promise with authority mm. and you mm-hmm. receive this, it always invites testing. So wherever you've received the authority of God or the promise from God, things God loves you and things are going to turn around in this area of life or any good thing that you hope for and you want that's from God, it immediately in this world will be tested. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Jesus Christ himself is saying, I know every hair in your head. You will be tested, but hang on. And you don't need to hustle, and you don't need to become apathetic in it, despise it, but you trust me. And so he's saying this to his disciples, he's saying this to Isaac, and he's saying it to us. So let's move on then to uh, Psalm 8, beautiful Mm. psalm. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. What is man that you are mindful of him? It's beautiful. Anyway, we've gone way over today, but we know um, you've enjoyed it. Yeah. 
I've enjoyed it. What is man that you're mindful of him, that you, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, we pray that uh, the word of God would be rooted in your hearts and in your minds uh, because we believe it's the wisdom of God uh, for us. And so uh, God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you. Uh, maybe we'll see you Sunday. Woo. You've been listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam.